Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host Christina. We're back to discuss the penultimate episode of season two, number nine, Long Ago, Not Far Away, written by Jane Espenson and Eric Carrasco, directed by Roxanne Dawson. They said they were going to give us the backstory of Demerzel and they did not disappoint. They also did not disappoint in taking my expectations and flipping them on me, but it's still remaining consistent with the story they have been telling. It's one thing, Westworld season three, to build up a narrative and then completely flip it and it's not at all consistent (laughs) with what you have been building up until a certain point. And it's another thing to circumnavigate expectations, which this show completely did with everything that happened on Terminus. I mean, it looks like we have lost the foundation. And I think in some ways we have. But I do have way more faith in psychohistory and what it's meant to reflect, maybe because I'm reading, I'm about two thirds now done with the foundation book. And I've read the two prequels, just so we're all on the same page of where I am. And I've read some the last week. So I don't have any forethought on how this book ends. But I can tell, at least from what I'm interpreting from the book series, it it definitely takes its heartbeats from the source material. But the show, in my opinion, still stands firm of being far more interesting on a personal level than the book is. That is one of the things I just struggle with. And I don't I don't know why that's a complaint, I guess, for the book lovers, maybe because you had to be some that type of sci fi nerd to enjoy this series or that's maybe was a a certain aspect of the series that drew them to it was the lack of really emotional stakes. It was all about the game and it kind of like the chess pieces. And if that's your thing, that's your thing. But I do still find the show far more fascinating when it comes to the interpersonal. And I do think there's a lot of the, the foundation so to speak, of the book here, just not in the way that the book doesn't. And that's, I don't know how many times I have to say that, the point of an adaptation. (laughs) The Expanse series being probably one of the best to highlight that, where there are a lot of turns that they made, but it still remained consistent with what was what was elements of that story that made it work? Who knows? Maybe that'll change when I get to the end of it. But for right now, I even this huge L that we took and we took an L. I mean, I was all hyped up. Y'all heard me last episode. Like we're going to beat their ass. We're going to beat their ass. Come on, Empire. We got something for you. We ain't had nothing for them. We ain't had nothing. This amounted to a sales pitch. That was not meant for any of the players that thought they were important to such sales pitch, which 
is consistent with the book, right? But on the other hand, (laughs) I do think that there is far more complexity than what we are being presented. I don't know how, and I'm not even at this point caring to figure out it before the show wants to tell me. I'm strapped in and in for the ride. Before we jump into the recap and review, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, get on to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe if you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com for the finale. We might do an episode after the finale to see. I'll see if uh, Mimi and Shy, who have been kind of behind, Mimi is trying to catch up. I don't know what Shy doing. Shy's like, you know what? I'm going to binge this because I am not about to ask myself questions every week. <laughs> I need to check in to see if that's her plan, but I'm going to check in to see if they want to do uh, a wrap up podcast. But man, this has been a phenomenal season. And I'm really sad that it's ending. And I've been told that they have stopped filming for season three. I did not at all source that. So take it with a grain, a pinch of salt, if you will, because I didn't even hear that foundation was renewed for a season three. I heard that it had been written, but I am also a little behind on the podcast as well. I know Pete did an interview with Goyer. Bald Move did an interview with Goyer. Well, I listened to that one. I didn't listen to the Pete one. I didn't even listen to Pete's recap. I haven't listened to Bob Moon's recap to this episode either or review. And I haven't listened to the official podcast since like episode three. So I have a lot to catch up with regarding the gossip. So maybe they did announce it. It just hasn't made its way to me, which that's exciting, though. I'm I would be totally happy about it because I don't want to hear I'm not getting it so I'm going to go with that for right now I am going to first go to the Ignis storyline before we follow the much longer consistently woven Trantor and Terminus arc I think that the majority of the episode was there And there's not too much to talk about on the Ignis plot. If I'm being completely honest, it was by far the weakest part of this episode. And it ended in a manner that didn't leave me particularly satisfied. Salver goes into the palace And she gets her gun back very quickly from the guy that was supposed to be standing guard. And I'm glad to see Salvor showcase some skills in hand-to-hand combat because they have been focusing a lot on her ability to flip that coin. But I'm like, my girl can kick that ass. And now let me get in my truck because all them bitches are catching. The That's Mine was great. She's able to get into the ceremony where Tellum is bound to Gale. 
She has her repeating after her, which is basically taking her eyes, her mouth, her body, very much under the guise that she's doing this willingly, but because the other mentalics are psychically breaking down Gail's defenses, she's able to take control of her, right? That's how she's getting her to repeat after her and seem like a willing sacrifice instead of you know the force to a table <laughs> situation that it really is and Salver's able to use the signal to interrupt their psychic abilities and she's able to get her off of the table and away from the one person Lauren who has a gun Alum has a line my people know this territory better and they soon will find you the only person that came chasing was Laurent. We didn't see any of those people anymore. What they must possibly be thinking right now, I have no idea because we made no connection. No wonder people are going tell them equals Josiah because that's the investment that was put into these mentalics. And granted, our focus is more on tell them and her hold on them, but if you are going to allude to the threat, I at least want to see it or at least show a scene where her people are maybe not as invested as she thinks she is so that when Gail at some point takes over this group, if that's actually the plan, which it seemed like it would be the plan, that there was something that massaged that other than that one speech, which wasn't that compelling. (laughs) We're being honest. I'm not about to die for anybody after one speech. So yeah, that was my first fault with with the whole chase scene. You know, they got away. They got away easily enough because of the effects of the maybe of the the, the satellite messing with their abilities. But she act like she had people that were willing to give chase and all we saw was Laurent. Salver gives Gail the prime radiant. So she runs back to the beggar. When did we discover where the beggar was located? Say what? Once again, small little thing would have made it more feasible for me. And these are really minute critiques. I mean, minute in the sense of why it fell flat. In my opinion, based on my experience other people might not have even cared about this because it's you know it showed up it needed to be there it was there we knew it was around now we're back to it but if gail had just said looked over and when like the beggar as she was running through that would have that the tiny little thing would have sold the scene for me so she gets back there and locks uh Locks the doors, but then we hear perimeter surrounded. Once again, why are you telling me that there's threats around and you're not showing me what those threats are? I do like that Loran and Salver got into a physical altercation and it just wasn't a one-two punch and it's over. Like she had to struggle. And that struggle was because they were not only fighting physically, but he was using his mental ability against her by continuing to use the face of Hugo. 
by remembering that face she's just it's bringing up her grief it's bringing up her love and her trauma at her loss and walking away from probably the only man she's ever going to love and how that still haunts her so yeah when you're physically getting the upper hand and someone comes out of nowhere with a oh let me emotionally uh cripple you you're gonna feel it physically as well because pain is not only in the brain well it is only in the brain but it can be felt in the body (laughs) so that whole scene worked good for me i i thought them going back and forth and him even being willing to shoot her you know when he got the gun put the stakes on the line of this isn't just a fight it's a fight to the death he's not trying to lock her up or put her back in a cave he's not trying to win her over this is i've chosen my side you've chosen your side one of us is not going to get out of this alive despite their momentary type of intimacy even though that in itself was based on (laughs) a lie literally from the beginning a lie can someone tell me how tellum's fragile bones emphysema bubonic but whatever she got how the hell did she get her ass to the beggar not only to the beggar but inside the beggar after she locked the door and beat her ass like i felt like she was there mentally and that would have made sense to me but her being there physically and we saw at the end it looked like she was there physically um yeah i'm i'm a little confused they could still pull something out of their ass next episode that will enlighten me but for right now the idea that she somehow would get past i mean maybe there's an underground tunnel we don't know about sure i'll accept that but come on now in the face of two black sprinters they got the african gene running through them you nah 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 laron yeah tell him no hell no what's interesting is that she gets the prime radiant from salvor or from gail and gail musters up very little defense which okay maybe maybe i'm trying to work it out in my mind the metallics wore her down she was mentally weak but i we'll we'll get to that in just a moment i think that maybe has to do more with my my confidence in gail as any type of formidable threat and i think that may be the issue more so than the storytelling around this particular one thing because once she got her physical hands on her she was beating her ass the high difference was hilarious but she was putting the the slap on her hey don't touch me bitch but there was very little commitment in her facial expression other than dumbfoundedness and i don't think at this point gail should be anything other than flaming hot furious at her nemesis instead of oh i'm gonna dig at your little wound like tell him 
always felt like the upper hand in this. Not one moment that Gail, even when she put him, like she used her own nemesis just to put fear in her current one. And you're going to tell me this is the leader of the Mentalics? This is going to be Mule's actual foe? And so that does lead to, I was going to save it till episode 10, but I think it is more fitting in this episode because it highlighted it at the climax of what is for the most part this storyline all season I have not felt anything with Gail I want to be empathetic to her plight and I started to be because I still had those residual feelings of what it must be like to be tossed into a pod after your lover kills him or you know kills your father figure and then you're tossed into the middle of a whole bunch of lies and then you unknowingly put that same father figure through 138 years of psychological torture (laughs) so i was really really giving her a lot of leniency thinking at some point she's going to pick up the mantle being presented to us for what she is meant to be in the future and yet I got so little character progression with her like even the guilt about her father that's real but it is also something I think while it would have been effective to play on her, I would have thought she would have went more for Raish. You know, I think when she left her father on that planet, (laughs) she did swap out one for the other. And while she has guilt, I don't, at least I don't ever feel I got a sense of that plaguing her as much as the whole you know, my mentor lied to me when it came to something we both are invested in that I gave up my life for. Not only my life, but now the love of my life and now my child. Other than a wry sense of sorrow, there's no emoting from the actress. And and I do unfortunately need to sidebar because I've also ran it through Okay, I understand the awkwardness between her and Salver. I understand the age difference. She's not as emotionally mature. But then you build on that, right? (laughs) You show a gradual shift. And I think possibly the writers were, I'm convinced of it, writing her a evolution that she simply never acted convincingly enough that actually sowed that. They said, I don't feel like this is a formidable opponent. Like even that moment when Sauer's like, go, she looked like a child looking for permission. And that simply is not, not really something you want to root for in your protagonist, right? <laughs> and I, I love and rooting for the actress. I think that she has more to offer. I just need to, we, so we need to bring it out of her. And I think I made this comparison before. I can't recall on which podcast I stated it on, but 
my favorite character in the expanse is naomi god it will always be my favorite character actually it's my favorite character in the books too but dominic tipper when we got to season like three i kid you not i was like oh shit is she gonna be able to sell what i need from her personally in these other story arcs because you know her acting's not bad it's not bad where I'm like cringing or like, oh, I can't watch these scenes. But there's nothing that's being ext- like a good actor is someone that you're going to feel what they feel or you, you know, you're going to respond emotionally to what they are portraying on screen. And if you can't feel anything, I think that that is a testament to the capability of the actor or actress, whether you agree with me or not. And thus, I just, I need more from my girl. I I think she got it in her. I've also, if you've listened to me in the past, know that I think the hardest thing for young women is to portray that of a maternal figure if you are not yourself a mother. It is one of the hardest things to pull off, especially when you're young, So I think that those two combining factors, that being something that's put on her as a maternal figure, as well as this revolutionary of psychohistory, I think they need to figure out her strength then if that's not, and I don't need mean to say she needs to be this Michonne warrior queen, but if that isn't meant to be her part, then I do need and they are themselves are putting the mentalics out there as physical um, type of an adversary at some point, because we saw them on the ground. If they only had it a mental adversary, I would be a little bit more um, okay with this rather lack of of a lack of a better term, spine that I, I that I feel when Gail is around. Like even when she was battling Tellum, you know, she was letting her really win because I would have been fucking her world up, especially if you know that you are essentially more powerful than her. Cause she even says you don't deserve uh pre-sight. And I was kind of with her on that drag. It was like, yeah, you you're someone who has the ability to see into the future and you are not exploiting that shit at all you are and i I thought this whole story arc was meant to build up gail even if it was she was doing it secretly and and maybe there is some chessboard matches once again i I will leave that open next scene but even if that or next episode but even if that's the case i would say season three needs to be a little bit more investment in Gail as a person and Gail defining what she wants and who she wants to be. And we see in it more than people saying, because the, the idea that Gail has been more powerful to tell him this entire time is kind of a hard sell. Meanwhile, Salvor traps Loran in the, in the, what do you call that? the airlock and she vents it killing effectively hugo because he turns into hugo to stop his own death but she has to allow that pain 
Is it going to mess with her mentally later? I don't know because she didn't actually kill Hugo. She knew that this was just something that could be used against her. But she let go of the fact that she has to move on with her life and that life is not going to include him. He's gone. Once inside, Tellum gets the upper hand on her as well. I didn't laugh when she's like, don't harm that body. I still got use for it. <laughs> that was just a funny line. So don't harm yourself, you know, trying to do stuff against me and protect you because I, I still have, I have plans. However, she sees Harry Seldon behind her and says, not even a good image thinking that he's not actually there until he bashes her brains in. Hey, you deserve that death, you fuckhead! Harry said, I never liked her. While it was a funny line and a funny scene, especially as she dismisses him as a threat and yet he's the one that took her out, it goes back to my initial feeling. It went underwhelming. You have two mentalics one exceptionally extraordinary and it's the human who had a body for two days that takes her by surprise not even by a actual surprise but in a um egotistical one And then we see her her dead body on the floor with her head bashed in. I'm sure someone is already out there like, well, her psychic energy can float into the universe. And guys, it looked like there needed to be a ceremony for all of this shit to happen or they wouldn't have been doing the ceremony. So no, I think that she's dead. It's just not too satisfying how she died. (laughs) Even though I will give one caveat Sighted don't kill sighted, and by Harry killing her, it does keep the two sighted's hands clean. So they the other mentalics can't use that against them. That definitely means Harry's gotta be banished, but I don't think he would care. It's like I'm just gonna go start a third foundation. Or maybe he's gonna head back to Trantor and help Homegirl figure out the Prime Radiant. Or maybe not, because I still think the prophet's in there. We shall see. I do know last week's episode, Bald Mood was like, yeah, he's definitely dead now. We can safely say he's dead. I was like, no, he ain't dead. I didn't know how they was bringing him back and I didn't even give a fuck how they were bringing him back. I just knew that he was not dead. (laughs) You could not convince me. It's like, no way. No way did they introduce this plot point just to get rid of it the way they did even the one i've been struggling with all season why kill the warden because the excuse that the prophet gave was not at all something i was buying and now i may have incorrectly but at least for myself (laughs) come up with a more plausible reason for why he had to die Of course, I know two things are always on the table. It's all an illusion. It was all happening in the mind because they were doing funny things with the camera. Or it could just be he's a robot. Like I said. (laughs) Which will allow him to uh, not even be a, a robot. 
who knows? Maybe Callie put something in his body that allowed him to escape certain death or to reboot. Who knows? I guess that would make you a robot. (laughs) Yeah, those are the two highest conclusions one can make. And since I'm still convinced Callie is a robot and there seems to be hidden robots, big ones, small ones, that the idea that there's none out in the universe very much makes me feel that Harry has joined their kind. Which leads us very nicely back into our Trantor Terminus arc, which begins 610 years ago when a spoiled indulged prince whose name Cleon literally means famous oh no i know he's walking around in these gold robes mother is the empress while father rules at her side and indulges in art explains why one cleon not just the first (laughs) but the second up to the 15th is more attracted to women in power but it also informs on his propensity for artwork. They're the last, even though they weren't aware of it at the time of the Inton dynasty. While counting faces, he finds himself in the prison where Demerzel has been held for 5,000 years, deconstructed. While at first he's scared, because anytime you see something that looks like that and it starts speaking, why would you not run? But... She lures him back. Well, first she said, can you set me free? Then had the temptation of stories at the ready from the past to lure him into a intimacy with her and intimacy. Another tie into Cleon, all of the Cleons, I believe they are or they see themselves as the protagonists, the heroes of their own stories completely oblivious and probably escaping reality in any tangible way they possibly can or have been removed from reality not only just oblivious to it but removed from reality in any intangible way and i think that's important many ask why these high-powered born into privileged people act the way they are you're spoiled you've given everything you're you're this but they eliminate any thought of what a disconnection from reality can how that impact can formulate who one's identity truly is and that begins very early on i mean you could clearly see that this young prince is indulged i think that's the exact word the narrator uses and i'm glad that they use the narrator's voice because it it goes back to that sense of fantasy cleon born is just a child like any other child but if he grows up with his every whim and desire given and then on top of that the responsibility and weight of having so much power that's a that that's a combination for the dichotomy 
of the moniker of absolute power corrupts absolutely she tells them all about the robot wars how the mechanical ones hid themselves in small spaces drew their knees up where the larger ones they found their own places to retreat she tells them about a place called earth we finally got that name drop in the show i did mention sometime at some point i believe that i thought the robots helped expand man and it seems like that is actually the case and because like any young boy who has everything monitored and belongs to everyone else including himself to the throne and to the responsibility of reality he keeps this secret his own actual escape room by the time that he is dawn's age the hormones start to kick in by the way he even went back there and touched her back there's something sexually intrusive now in their conversations demerzel points out well first she gets him to calm down after he's clearly upset and lashing out another familiar trait with the cleons when they're hurt they really double down on the cruelty but demerzel is able to get from him that his mother has died and he has been on the throne for a day he feels overwhelmed by the amount of advisors by being even the king and now he's not going to be able to have time to go to escape room like he did when he was a child when he didn't have all those things pulling him away from what he would rather be doing so there's mentions of freedom and prisons and this idea of being empire associated with those terms and while he certainly wants to build his own legacy he's kind of the guy that wants their cake and eat it too even though that's technically a really dumb idiom Demerzel offers more information on her backstory that she was not always because he asked what kind of name is Demerzel and she says well that's the woman's name that I was given but it is not always how she appeared which proves and disproves my point Uh, if you listen to my spoiler section last episode you knew I had a lot of questions on how and one of the well i think even at the end of the episode i said i don't think that demerzel is fully aware of cycle history and that her storyline's not going to line up with what we know from the books which is a, a longer history with selden i'm glad the show made it canon that she indeed can be a male so my speculation that that was her in the past when we got to that episode is a completely out of line but then they clearly made it apparent that she cannot transform her body now thanks to the implant that cleon changed which is another violation if you think about it because we don't know if she prefers to be that in the body of a female versus the body she had before she even said i've had another body much longer and Demerzel is not her oldest name she's 18,000 years old which holy fuck 
but that's not her original name and yet he's keeping her in this identity keeping her in this female form and it's primarily sexually desired sexually sensually whatever his clouded version of love is the fact that it coincides with his mother might be some freudian shit that he would be into freud himself but i digress cleon admits there is a mechanism that will allow her to be put back together in this room but he despises that idea that she would be freer than he but worse he would no longer selfishly have his best and only friend so he he indulges in his selfish nature he doesn't want the responsibility of the throne which we already talked about and mounting it to a chain and proves his lack of emotional intelligence because he actually equated his situation (laughs) to that of what she suffered and it's not even close to being on the same scale granted there's no lack of empathy for a young child being burdened with something they necessarily didn't ask for right and then to not take your responsibilities may cause worse things for your own people right so the young man i can relate to i think all of the the dawns we've been able to relate to it's just when they get to day that it just fucks itself up But um, <laughs> I feel like that's the time he just embraces who exactly he is. But on the other hand, this woman has been trapped down here for 5,000 years, not even as a full person, and has fought for her own autonomy. And you want to actually say that you are comparing your pain to hers? No 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 <laughs> Demerzel on the hand has only one goal I want to break free I surmise that she may have fallen in love with Cleon I think that it was a kind of love it's just not a romantic one I think that she truly felt a fondness for the kid that he was for the the person he was growing up to be she saw something different in him And then that person became someone she didn't know. And she didn't know that too late until it was too late. This kid is the only thing she has had to anticipate over the decades and is the best chance of getting what she ultimately wants, which is her freedom. And to, to eliminate Demrazel own scheming here would be a disservice to the idea that she's a little culpable but I even I don't really even want to use that word because that's like saying another Westworld reference because I love that show that what that Dolores is responsible for William becoming an asshole like no William was always an asshole she was just the uh the impotence that he the excuse he gave himself to um or the motivation he needed to actually think that it was okay to be who he really wanted to be deep down in his soul so i do think that 
yeah, back to the the storybook aspect of it, that she's the princess and he's the prince in the tower and he believes in his mind this is a love story. And I think that she romanticized so much of their stories together that her fondness, her love for him, unfortunately was pure and his was well complicated we'd be saying we putting it easy she tells him that she led the soldiers against the humans i was wrong about that too <laughs> before she fell in the great battle and was taken captive by emperor abernus who was not like cleon someone who makes the room brighter and she felt like she meant that in that moment so it feels like a maternalistic type of love that morphed into a romantic type of love, but ended up being an obsessive and possessive type of love. And the other part of the more negative effects of that relationship definitely stem from one Cleon. <laughs> And I'm surprised because she said that she was tortured by this man, this Emperor Abernus. He took great pleasure in the torture of a mechanical woman, valuing her produced tears, but eventually becoming bitter at his own mortality and what she could do to enact revenge for his own behavior. So this is interesting because she admits, I didn't feel any type of pain, but he got pleasure from the idea that I could feel pain. So I produced that in the form of tears in a bid to manipulate him. And while he felt like he had the upper hand this entire time and she was happy to allow him in his, his own delusion of who actually was gaining from their interactions when he realized, oh shit, she's actually gained more from me than I've actually gained from her. He shut that shit down. <laughs> he, he thought that she would revive the robot wars and that's fair, especially as I've singled this one person out for the idea that they're special. And there is something to be said about the idea of being special in this show. Then there's the emotions that she conveys now. Are those simply the appropriate response to what the situation is unfolding or does she deep down feel I want to say that she does I will always go back to Zephyr Halima you know I will I'm so mad she ain't on the show anymore so mad but I will always go back to that that recognition of you do feel something and this is someone who who would have rejected her as a person the most the harshest critic there is at a moment where she didn't need to make her feel better but i think that validation of you are a person you do feel but i think that feeling she has is the sorrow for the the people i think and this is huge speculation on my part actually makes a lot more sense her being on the other side of things that 
And I think I did. I mentioned it earlier in the season. Is she trying to get back to those laws? Is she trying to get back to that more altruistic goal for humanity and for her place in humanity versus the autonomy that seems to come with a clusterfuck of everything? (laughs) Maybe it's not so grass uh, green over there in the autonomous world. And that freedom really is an illusion. And, uh, Maybe I want to go back to being what I I originally was by not having that ability to or choosing not to kill people to adhere to those laws instead. But for her to be able to do that, she has to free herself from the number one, which is to serve empire. So, yeah, I, I do think that she feels things, but they're in a more like a reaction to what it means. I guess that's how we all interpret feelings, right? <laughs> a reaction to something happening. Um, how am I trying to to summarize this? Because I do think that, well, maybe I, it's an association with pain. She doesn't feel physical pain, but she feels emotional pain. And I think she feels emotional pain because of her allowance of those emotions, which could be a result of being in that place for 5,000 years. Once again, back to Westworld, suffering makes you more human. Being more human comes with the cost as well. Upon realizing this, he made sure she was deconstructed the old emperor and unable to revive the war. Cleon wonders why he didn't just destroy her, but she states that she is unique and special and could be the key to making more of her kind. Interesting. Didn't she say that she walked the spiral 15,000 years ago? So that would have been maybe before the war. Yeah. Cause she said 5,000 years ago is how long she's been down there. So as a, as even in her earliest time, she has considered herself to be worthy of her own freedom of choice and that not be to serve. But I think the fear is, which is very pre- prevalent in nowadays time is, oh, well, once the shoe is on the other foot, what is going to happen is now the situations, the tables will simply be turned. And because I was a cruel horrible person colonizer then of course if we allow the rise of black people they're just going to do exactly to us what we did to them without considering (laughs) at all the possibility that people can be better or they don't have to choose violence that they don't need to tear you down just to bring themselves up but it always seems to unfortunately come to conflict and violence when dawn becomes day because they're not dawn and day so cleon so i better correct myself there he integrates her body so that she is finally a whole woman and while she thanks him it's clear it's an improvement not freedom having brought her something to wear that was entirely too sexy for the occasion just bring me a fucking robe bruh not some dress you've been imagining me wearing and i'm just gonna put it out there it's probably belonged to his mother 
there was physical shared contact here. And as I stated earlier, where is the line between grooming, which I totally understand. If I'm an AI intelligence left to decay in the worst possible state, I'm going to do what I got to do. However, unwittingly, a naked woman full of fantasy and adventure is everything a growing boy would love to. <laughs> would would certainly have an, a, a, a certain psychological, if you're in the Freudian shit, even if you're not, the possibilities of there of that impact on their brain and their development that that only it can't be taken off the table but they're grown here so sharing that physical contact i think is an indication of mutual i think this is that that mutual love between them right he doesn't come to her advice for advice though he comes to escape and then she sees this as such a positive move which she would that she is in at all concerned for waiting another couple of decades for him to actually free her and just for shits and giggles is it possible that Demerzel herself mechanical form or no got caught up in the story and started creating this fantasy or living into this fantasy of you know I could be at your side I could be one of your trusted advisors and I think that she was making a choice and then he absolutely and utterly took that choice away from her. I think her initial plan was absolutely, I'm going to get out here and slap your fucking neck. <laughs> but as the decades passed, there was a genuine affinity for this kid who's now a man. And yes, they have some things, some seducing is going on. She herself is seduced by the idea. I don't even know, think by the man, by the idea of the man. Because honestly, seeing someone over time in a short amount of time, even if it's over decades, it's almost like living with someone versus dating them. <laughs> These are two separate things. You're going to see the person they want you to see, the person they present themselves, and then you got to deal with them on a daily basis so while some are out there declaring this the ultimate love story even before this episode if they are doing so still after this episode i think that you did not watch this with the appropriate lenses because this is a story of a man who wanted to possess someone that meant a lot to them and in his own mind loved but possession and love are not the same thing and people really will get confused on the two and I think this is highlighting that and it's an important thing that should be underlined whatever the mutual understanding between them is it was based on deception from the onslaught and if anything that is hit home to her and the audience Later on, when he is an older man, he tells her that he ended his betrothal because she wasn't you. He has a whole new plan. He went out and searched the galaxy because I am your knight in shining armor. 
and I found a way for you to be free. I'm not like a Brunus. So he's actually been comparing himself to the man that inflicted pain upon her. And he's also, more importantly, excusing his behavior, finding reasons to excuse him, his behavior, differing himself like, well, I'm trying to set you free, except I'm not. I'm going to bring you this gift from Earth. It's a betrothal gift because I'm going to marry you, even though I'm saying if you have me, I'm presenting you with something you literally can't refuse. I mean, you literally can, but you literally can't. Because what's the first thing that he does when he sets her free and she doesn't snap his neck? She even took a moment to enjoy his touch. He puts that implant in her and tells her to turn around and kiss him. And I'm not 100% sure that that was of her own free will either. And the fact that it's tainted in that manner is probably <laughs> the moment that homeboy realizes now I'm always going to be left with the question that'll never be answered, even though he seemed dying satisfied enough with what he received, because ultimately the fantasy is, is more palpable than the reality, as I've pointed out, probably ad nauseum this episode, the illusion of it all. He prefers it. It's like, yeah, it's not true, but I'm going to convince myself it's true. And if you're going to play along, then these are our parts to play in the, in the tale that we're telling. There's the question of an heir. He says, oh, I got that shit figured out. I've been thinking about this for 35 years. <laughs> but yeah, the idea that she had intended to break his neck the minute she got out of that prisoner prison she really just exchanged one for another and then she's told that she isn't able to walk freely away because she now serves empire he actually has her demonstrate that she cannot hurt him even if she really tried and that's what she tells him this is beneath you you've hurt Now, of course, the question comes up, if she's not allowed to hurt Cleon, then how is it that per Goyer, she most likely killed the last day that we saw in season one? And we know for damn sure she killed Dawn against Day's wishes as well. He should have been punished and decanted. He didn't want him decanted. And then as they were arguing, she just took that decision away from both of them. Even though part of me feels like that was just revenge <laughs> for taking something that she valued away from her. And so whether or not, you know, she could have not killed him in that moment, she can. So I'm guessing because be the genetic code doesn't necessarily mean loyal to Cleon. Cleon doesn't necessarily. Yeah, because she says I'm not loyal to any of the days, dust, dawns. So, yeah, I feel like those are all. What did he call them? Half men. Damn. They your children, but they'll only be half of what you're ever going to be. <laughs> so fucked up. I didn't think I'd ever feel more sorrow for the Cleons, but damn. They definitely did a good job this episode. <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah, the idea that she will be loyal to him forever, be at his side forever, raise the clones as their children forever with selective memories, denied their predecessors with the whole my code, your loyalty thing, all feels as if it's to serve the purpose of his legacy more so than his actual DNA in another body, right? She couldn't hurt Cleon when he was alive. He died. She would not hurt because her loyalty is to Empire and he is the one that's by her side, even if it's just the half man. But because it's half, the other one says, I still allow you to kill people. So if you feel like you want to kill any of them at any point, you can. She once again says this is not freedom. And he says, well, I don't get freedom. So you don't get freedom. Dems the rules. Demrazel. And when she said it was beneath him, is it though? You rolled the dice and thought you nurtured the good man inside, but it seems he is only interested in preserving what all men truly <laughs> care about in the end is their continued uh, mortality. Usually that's in the form of children. He has put that in clones that not only look like him, smell like him, feel like him, but will be raised with the same type of background that he got with Demrazel. It's an absolute selfish desire <laughs> that he is proposing here. Not altruistic. Then when he just slid in there, you can come to my bed when you want to. You just took for granted sex. You took for granted that she'd want to sleep with you. Whatever the tension you may have felt, there was never an agreement to that. But he considers this no small gift. Now, I'm letting you run the empire forever and ever. Isn't this what you wanted? In a certain sense to have control? Sure. It also reminded me, sidebar, when Day presented the galaxy to Seraph and she was like, um, what is this? <laughs> He's like, you got my heart, you got my body, and you got the empire. This is the greatest gift ever. Day was like, you got the empire. What else do I need to provide for you? Then this motherfucker got down on one knee like this shit at all was a fairy tale. <laughs> that's awful that's awful i think he definitely had some transference going on from the death of his mother to the relationship he further developed but considering all of the moves that he's taken up to this point of him getting down on one knee that he took into no account her emotional distress proves to me that once again like we didn't know it was all about him. It's all about him. If you really love someone, you let them go. You give them the choice to decide. You don't make it a non-choice or a choice like, oh, well, this is the best deal you're going to get. What you going to do? Go back into the, the hole over there? You now cannot even harm me. 
You are trapped. Even if you leave, you will find your way back to me somehow, some way. So for you to then (laughs) say, will you love me? And she replies, yes. And he goes, maybe I should have asked that before making it compulsory. It's just another bit of great writing to showcase that this man is just, I want to say he's out of his fucking mind, but he, he's not an idiot. Clearly he's very nefarious. <laughs> Clearly he put a lot of time and energy into this. And he did have things that he built upon from what was uh, previously. So that statue of the fir- the Empress, that was Cleon the First's mother. But at the same time, he is aware that, well, that yes, especially when she covered her belly in that position that she's always in with her hands, it's almost, man, I swear, I am not trying to just compare this to Westworld constantly, but that conversation he had with Teresa Bernard when he told her like don't wrap your hands around your belly because it's the a vulnerable spot and you know make you're protecting it that's what it feels like like i'm going to protect me and i'm no longer like whatever love i did have for you it died in that moment it it disintegrated <laughs> and everything i do now is because you have asked it of me and i think that is the answer he ends up living with. So neither one of them, while they both get what they desire, they don't actually get what they want. Or they get what they want. They don't get what they desire. So that leads us into the here and now. Where Cleon the 16th is back talking back to Cleon the first's hologram. I don't know what this is because they said it was a memorogram. When he was talking to the thing. But how does he know he's Cleon the 15th? There must be an interactive computer system where it's able to update its information. Because he did say I thought of this and that. But how far does his control actually go? And the idea that they're saying there's two ghosts and you guys are all following. (laughs) Great callback. Because he is. He's the ghost in the machine. Literally. Stories end gracefully. Everything else ends in shock and horror. Falsely certain of tomorrow. Another nod to what I've already been saying about the element of fantasy here. This was a choice in Cleon's mind. And I am continuing that choice. And y'all should just be happy about that. (laughs) Des is not happy about this. He's like, bitch, we've been warming the throne useless dna for dimrazel to rule the empire the entire time and she molds them into the right decisions as her puppets and you're gonna call me brother like i'm supposed to be your brother i'm your plaything and of course the female in the room rue is not even worried about that dumbass shit like no let's talk about the fact that dimrazel is nothing more than a captive under your control and has only been bounced from one from one megalomaniac to the other never really given a choice about anything oh she's loved 
triple times my love gives it to her because now she gets me as the man and eventually she gets me as the old man but yeah she gets to go through me falling in love with her three times (laughs) his exchange rate is so off and he has to know that but i think he's been in denial so long he doesn't even care dust denies uh him winning saying well i wasn't on board with day and his union with sarah but now that that shit's going down at least it's a fuck you to you but then that cleon coily responds you think so before leaving them trapped inside of the the same place where demerzel spent her time i'm just gonna call it now i think that he is able to communicate with her or she sent something per that communication um i don't know how far this thing goes with the hologram i'm curious to know but uh that that's um where i think she went off to head she's fully aware that oh shit (laughs) things are happening back at home that are far more threatening to the empire right now than what this fool is actually doing where do we think this is going to leave Dusking and Rue? Most likely dead by the end of it. I'm kind of scared for Seraph and Day. The only thing that keeps me... Dawn. Jeez, I'm going to mess up their names all the time. The only thing that keeps me half spinning is, on my theory anyway, is that I think Demerzel is going to have a choice to make up next episode. And it's going to come down to her fully accepting that Harry Seldon is telling the truth and choosing what he presented to her, which is longevity or power. You can't have both, which is a great line. But kind of like with Hober and Constant, they really laid it on thick with this child, this possible child, the whole stealing the thing from from the doctor the showing the actual showing him de-sterilize himself then the love making scene is both of them going to get out of there i feel like at least sarah has to but i do think that that might be a choice that demerzel makes more so than Seraph simply just getting her way out of a sticky situation. I will also point out that Seraph and Dawn came to this conclusion without having no conversation at all. <laughs> like, we don't need to know all of the backstory. We just need to know that Demerzel is definitely the one in charge. I think they definitely had a heads up on the, we probably are in a lot more danger than we realize than Rue and Dusk. On Bel Rio's ship, he goes to see the prisoners. He asks them a couple of questions. A, what is this? The device that can change appearance, somehow important, because he's going to change places with someone. They don't drop these little nuggets for no reason. <laughs> we also learn that Hober and Bel Rios don't know what's behind that bite. I got my eyes on you. I don't know when. And how the spaces are going to show up. I don't even know what their capabilities are. How they play into this last stroke against Empire. But I do know that generational slavery 
breeds a certain type of mindset. And any chance at freedom, viable chance at freedom, is not something that one easily dismisses. And I'll leave it there. The fact that Bel Rios got called away before you could find out what it was is another little Easter egg. Constant wonders if he's going to kill them. But Bel Rio says it's not my call to make. And then he says, are you stupid? And Hober says, <laughs> she isn't. Why would you declare war against the empire? And then he figures it out that it was for love. While he sneers at it, it probably is the most understandable reason. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because Bel Rios might find himself doing things for love too that are against the empire, even if he himself was told to do exactly what he did. But we're getting a little too far ahead. Bel Rios also believes, look, maybe the empire fall. Matter of fact, the empire will fall. Doesn't matter. My ghost has a bigger dick than your ghost does right now. No matter how prepared you think you are, we're going to win this battle. But that's the thing. A battle is that. Also something that Constant brings up. You're all assuming the war is one of violence, one of our tech against your tech. You're not at all considering that you're being lured here because he says that. I know I'm being lured here. Yeah, you are. You are. And the idea that your fate is somehow connected to predictive capabilities should tell you that you should be a little bit more on your toes (laughs) about how things are unfolding and why they're unfolding. More importantly, what is the true aim and true goal? And if you don't know what that is, you have no idea if you are winning or losing. And while yes, the other side lost, lost big too. They lost something. They didn't lose everything because we have no idea what 138 years unfolded in the darkness. And that is something I think Empire completely forgets, but Bel Rios very much is keen to. So he doesn't want any more surprises. But unfortunately, like a day later on is told, you're living it. You're living psycho history. All of these decisions actually do have a ripple effect. And that is predicted in whatever is in that computer calculation in in the prime radiant. Effectively, Empire has been falling into every bit of Harry Seldon's plan. And I don't feel like he's ever had a moment where he's not fell into his plan. He definitely knows how this man is going to react. There's inflection points, which he talks about a little bit later, which is very fascinating. That I think that second foundation and even him and his part that unfolds a little bit later once to get down to the planet. All of that is calculated in, but it is based on a faith in people doing things that are consistent with the types of people that usually surrounds 
are historic accolades and defeats. Because we do, when we are, if you're a history fan, talk a lot about the battles, the wars, and then the kings. We don't talk about the people. We don't talk about the people. Because those people probably had roles to play, but we don't, all those little tiny things are all under one bigger umbrella. And then at the end of the day, it's those, it's the, the inflection point people that truly is the one that are remembered being Hober Mallow, who finally pierced the hide of the empire, who showed the world that the empire can be hurt. Then you see the empire's response. He comes out like a tyrant. He takes down this uh, peaceful religion, right? Because we're not talking about converting the people that are closest to empire. Of course not. They're living a different life. We're talking about converting the people the empire no longer has control over. Assimilating those people to get on our side. It goes the other way around. So that's another thing that's not being played into consideration. Is that you have a place where you are not welcome and then you go there and destroy. For all intents and purposes. A, um, a society that was only ever truly threatening in its technological advances. So that's just fuel on a fire that's already existing. I think I made an analogy later on in my notes. I can't find it right now, but it does. Oh yeah. Remind me of Christianity, which I brought up before because it's tied to the Roman empire that they had a long long-standing worship of the Greek gods, the Pantheon gods, and the Christian god, which is not welcome. And it started off as a small group of outliers that no one missed, that no one considered what they were saying. And then they killed Jesus. And because he was popular and because of the person that he was, it was able to convert other people that wouldn't necessarily have joined in what they had to offer. And then the more people that join, the more they were able to, you notice that as well, that every religion, it's like, I'm gonna consolidate the religion and then I'm gonna go out and conquer the rest of the world and then convert everyone to my religion. But technically my religion has all the power. Yeah, that's something to be uh, conscious of. The Empire sees the church under the infrared scan and despite saying that he can peacefully take the planet it's clear it's not his intentions there is nothing in this episode even bell rios points it out lady demerzelli saying the right thing but i can feel nothing but a a tyrant on the loose when he's walking around in that fucking chain mail <laughs> he wants to see for himself because the more Demerzel says you can't the more he's like I'm going to I'm not afraid he's pissing in his boots but he on the outside wants to continue to put up this front he goes down to the planet (laughs) damn I forgot what I wrote in my notes I just read that He's just a pathetic, insecure little man with a small dick and an inability to bang anyone but a robot. 
because only a robot can deal with his ineffectual blunt thrusts. <laughs> Some of y'all is fat and ugly and unattractive, but that is okay. Just be who you are. Demerzel definitely dropped the mic though. You hated him in these scenes because he defined the very worst things about an autocrat. He shouts out orders. He goes down to the planet. He tells them that he wants to meet diplomatically, but that is simply just to disarm them so they don't attack first. Because if you think about it, even if they would have lost, because he's like, oh, we can easily, the enclosure worked. It stopped them all. Technically, only one person took an action against the empire. And sure, you can go there and discuss and talk about the technology and confiscate it. All that I would have been, would have been even an acceptable response. But then one, the way in which he abused Polly, the high cleric of their church, whether you are a spiritual person or not, I would not start to kick the Pope's ass if he was in front of me. And that's effectively what he did in front of all of his people. And it was kind of heartbreaking that his people, even Sir Mac, who isn't the biggest Polly fan, is like, no, we're going to show this man that we have something. We have something worth protecting. And while you try to diminish us, we do have things to offer. And they show him how they produce iron into an aura and not only have they been producing these auras they've been giving them away we seem to really 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 piss off cleon because he's like oh not only are you not even doing this for an enterprise but you're doing it just because this is how you like get the fuck out of my i don't respect even your philosophy in how you are manipulating me. So he stabs Samak. I wish he would have at least told him his daughter was alive. <laughs> or Polly would have said something. But he died in his husband's arms. Because it was like, he needs some medical attention. I'm like, I don't know if you guys have the proper... I mean, have you seen that warden? Oh, back to the warning. So now I, now that this battle unfolded, I think that's the real reason why Harry killed him. That man looked like he was capable and ready and could have led this battle 10 times better than the inexperienced people that were. And I think Harry was like, no, 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 no. We don't need to actually win this <laughs> because this is, this is the necessary sacrifice. And I think it's twofold, right? Not only is this not the person that's about to, actually could have an impact on unfolding events because once again the pacifist versus the the big bad wolf that's why a lot of people say turning the cheek can be 10 times i mean it worked with slavery let's be real slaves uh, not slaves um oh what am i thinking about um because that a war actually defined that but i'm talking about civil rights there we go but yeah, that's what changed hearts and minds for civil rights. It wasn't that black people were going around kick, kicking white people's ass or defending themselves. No, they were marching because that's what MLK realized. If we show the world our peaceful message and we maintain our dignity and show the hatred coming from the other side, that is far more of an influence because that's something they can't justify. 
And everything that the Empire is doing right now is something they really can't justify. No matter how much they want to say you started war, that you can convince Tranter of that. You're not going to convince the rest of the Outer Reach. He also has the clerics killed. So these are unarmed people, religious people. Even if you don't, again, you know, go up to their religion or influenced by the religion. I'll find the words eventually. But he takes the scientists. Now, that's important because I don't think he's going to get them scientists, but they are preserved for the for the foundation. So if anyone's going to recreate a foundation, those are the people you're going to want to have. Just saying. Still, he can't leave needing to preen to a dead man. I mean... <laughs> Yes, this is a very, um, you did it by presenting yourself in front of my hall. I came to talk to you, bear. What, 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 what? Wait, wait, how is that a declaration? I said, hey, if there's war, we'll win. And you wanted to talk, so I'm here to talk to you. <laughs> I never, I said we're coming for a peaceful envoy. That's what I did. Demerzel warns him that they need to leave. And she was like that the entire time on the planet. Like she felt something like she was waiting the entire time for the other shoe to drop. She's like, I know there's another shoe. I don't know when it's going to fucking drop. But I'm waiting for it to drop. She felt uneasy here. And her feeling uneasy made me uneasy. (laughs) That's when I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe there's still something something out the ass and then the evictus got operational and they were prepared to do battle and i was like i'll shoot i'll shoot here we go then Rizelle and selden get up the hill with polly being hesitant and he being day being like i'm not scared i'm gonna take off my aura i'm gonna take off my uh my break my breastplate I can't, I cannot not fuck up words today. But he takes it off and leaves the chain mail. I was like, that's still protection, you dumbass. But uh, they walk up to the vault and Polly's like, dude, you keep acting like <laughs> you can't be touched. And that's another thing. We all know that Harry can fuck this man up. He can fuck him and Demerzel up. But his point later on is you can decant a new one. That's not my goal. My goal is not to kill him. Based on that vault scene, you ain't even a player on the chess board. So the Noel Phil doesn't stop him because that could have. And then the battle up up in the sky is something Demerzel is worried about. And he says, well, let the great general earn his pay. Like basically, why are you concerned about what's happening up there if he's the best and you chose him? It's tiny little things like they does that I want to just, ooh. I would have wanted him to see the scene where she took out a day. <laughs> Glaywood is sent into battle. Ooh, you know he did. I hate to say it and I know it's mean to say, but if I had to exchange who was going to die between Glaywin and Constant, I would have chose Constant. I did not want Glaywin. He was enjoying himself too. And the battle was nice. That was everything. This show never disappoints with 
the prophet appears, cool, calm, and collected. Demerzel wants him to call off his fleet, saying, at your trial, while we didn't agree, I saw that that was a man who wanted to save his people, who wanted people to stop suffering. And he replies that you're right. I don't want people to suffer. So let's go talk into my office. But there's something else he hinted at too. Like, well, that made me feel if they got to die, they got to (laughs) die. Going back to killing the warden. I will not hesitate. And with reasons that you may not be fully aware of. For whatever purposes that is necessary, allow lives to be lost, even if they are loyal and following me. And that's when I first got the inclination that this might actually be a demonstration to Demerzel on a massive scale, the full scope up close and personal of what the continued service to this man is and present her a way out that services her true purpose but also furthers his it's because of that while i'm shocked at the ending of the black hole of it all i'm not surprised that he would indeed sacrifice so many lives for the importance of this one conversation and maybe getting her here, particularly since they disagreed. And you got to think now that you know that Demerzel is the true authority behind the throne by isolating him out to Terminus. She back then was hedging her own bets because she could have easily and sure shit knows they would have wanted and thus did advocate for destroy them. He was able to play to that outcome, but the outcome was played to or presented to Dimrazel more so than even the genetic lineage. I think he talked today as possibly the last day, like, uh, you could change right now and it may have an effect. That's another thing that Day mentions during this conversation. Oh, I changed. I'm destroying the genetic dynasty. But that was 138 years ago. How do you think that doing something 138 years later somehow is efficient enough to generate the answer you're wanting? Like, that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) So him bringing it up consistently as his way out was like, well, yeah, if your predecessor, predecessor did it 138 years ago, maybe you could have possibly did something else for yourself but we knew you weren't going to do it because it was impossible to do and you don't even have that information yet we all know and you're still in the fucking dark that's actually rather sad (laughs) then i think about that look he had at the end of the episode and i'm like you deserve it you deserve all of this so they go into the prime radiant to discuss in his office i love the the resolution in my office he barely looked at cleon ain't nobody coming to see you otis but both do go inside the prime radiant 
And he, Cleon, wants to throw shade at Harry Seldon, proving he really is the dumbest person. I, I think I was trying to make an argument for him. And I still do. I stand by that argument. But man, the amount of... <laughs> I don't think I would, you know survive eating that much of my own shit by pointing out i saw the statue of you we cleons have never cast ourselves as gods and his name is bruh boy if you don't get selden's debatable was absolutely perfect while i'm over here going are you kidding me your very definition of existence is someone playing god and your whole masculine insecurity right now is because you yourself think yourself. Did he not reference that photo in his bedroom? Got fucking built rings around your planet so everyone can see that you live at my mercy and you're going to actually say out of your mouth, oh, how dare you consider yourself a god? Oh, you're just mad because I have followers and you thought you were the only person that could possibly do that. And on such a scale, too, that's more powerful than him. That's what he really, truly can't swallow. Because he's got Selden's dick in his throat. Demerzel did perk up at the mention of the Cleons. Like, they're going to fall. He even knows how and when. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Of course, Day's like, your math is bullshit. It's not going to fall. You don't know what you're talking about. It's like, boy, you are here. You're living it. And you're afraid. These are factors I've already accounted for in my calculations. So everything that you're saying right now is irrelevant. You're projecting. I am a hologram. You've reached your limit on talking. Shut the fuck up. This is when once again he says, well, you started it. I know no they had to they had to write him like a child throwing a tantrum because that's very much where his arguments got based on he's like well provocations whether they're authored by me or not are gonna happen because that's inevitable when you have such an empire then he turns back to the actual important person in the room by saying what serves empire best its primary objective is that to mean power or is it to mean longevity? And I think that this is quite the conundrum that Demerzel hasn't been able to calculate her way out of. And here is Selden presenting her not only with the prime radiant. Oh, I can teach you all about it and we can work on your goal. And my goal, because if you are meant to protect the empire and preserve it, then you should be going for longevity. You shouldn't be going for objective power. Who, who is the most powerful person in the universe? Well, right now we can say that's America, that's United States of America, but all empires fall because all empires overstretch themselves and eventually people get pissed off and they overthrow the regime. But then you have longevity. You have empires like China that has had many rulers, that has had many uh, dynasties, but their power on the, the historical stage 
has never really their longevity anyway it's never diminished they still are here they're still something they're not the most powerful empire in the world but neither are they um insignificant so that's pretty much going back to my theory once again (laughs) so hearing that he is putting this to her is a good way to get her on his side and I think Day knows that not fully know that he just knows that something's going on that he is not privy to because I'm not smart enough to be even following this whole trail of conversation which is why he then angrily reacts in the childish way he would by throwing things off of Selden's desk stomping his feet you just want attention it's also why i still haven't really even though the foundation took an l it didn't take a defeat the absolute degradation of day's self-esteem was totally worth the death of a whole bunch of people i didn't know sounds so mean but (laughs) in a lot of ways he did lose yeah he got to drop uh the Invictus down on them but what did he actually gain he lost the trust of his closest advisor he got dragged through the filth and exposed for everything he isn't and in the end he walks back to when he finds out to a woman who's fucking his brother (laughs) upon the the revelation that he's nothing (laughs) but a warm ass for the throne oh man that for all of you know the the feeling of upsetness i got for the foundation not coming out swinging they certainly left a mark (laughs) especially when he says i'm an outlier you didn't account for me no i've met outliers you're not one of them congratulations you played yourself dimrizel over there choking on her soda that she ain't sipping he does talk back to (laughs) dimrizel He looks so annoyed when he has to address the kid in the room. He says, no, my math cannot predict everything, which I think he's made it clear it can't. It can't predict the future. It can't account for outliers, but it can account for inflection points that allow for an opportunity for crucial decisions to be made. And this is one of those inflection points, a.k.a. crises. That's my association I've made association I've made with psychohistory. I know some I know that ball move anyway seem to be struggling with the concept of what psychohistory is and its limits. Again, maybe because I recently am reading the books that my faith is just un <laughs> unchallenged when it comes to that particular part of the series. I don't know if they're gonna necessarily fuck with that too much and everything that they're presenting lines up with it lines up at least with my definition of it 
Uh, and I know it's been probably a while since they've read the books. I think one or two only read one. Um, and I find that the only person that's like that is Pete because he's read the books too. He's read all of them. So I, I maybe it's just that connection that our, our faith is not at all deterred. But this was always my understanding of psychohistory, why the second foundation is needed. They are going to be accountable for taking advantages uh, advantage of these inflection points of these opportunities and the second foundation is to curb the worst of the out the fallout from the negative impact that would have going forward like basically making sure they stay in line not to be empire and also making sure things certain things happen when they're supposed to happen or help them make that like giving them the invictus right he had to give them the coordinates to find the invictus right now he can't come out and just be like hey here's the invictus here's the coordinates i guess he could but i'm guessing in the future it's not going to be that simple it needs to be a little bit more of a shadowy type of thing because people aren't supposed to know about what happens until it really happens so trying to get ahead of the work and and figure out how it works it's more like just trust the math and pay attention to the decisions that are made and then truly go back and and add up if all of those things could have been accounted for i in my opinion even down to the hobart mallow of it all all of those little points were accounted for maybe not exactly not precisely but it's not meant to be precise it's meant to focus on a broad scale of things so as long as enough pieces are in play you can you can um not predict but pretty much guarantee a certain outcome of things that's just uh well what's the word i'm looking for strategy (laughs) so he empire in this moment saying you know you're always talking about your math it's the first time he gets angry like yeah i will not have my life's work snuffed out by any man's pride i cannot help but wonder if the second foundation not being in place would have affected things and if it still affects things to a certain extent we don't know how much Harry has checked in on the other guy. He said protect the prime radiant, but while they've been on Ignis and they are slightly in the future, so some of these things have already happened. What exactly and how exactly this is going to unfold where it preserves, as he pointed out, his life's work. He's not going to allow, he declares it, I'm not going to allow you and your man pride, which is what is you dropping the Invictus down on us because I won't tell you what you don't, what you want to hear, is why he stops and goes back to the grown folks conversation. <laughs> Telling Demerzel, I can't offer you tea leaves, but I can give you something concrete, the prime radiant. And that he said I could teach you to read it tells me that he, despite the destruction of the planet, is still a part of that prime radiant. Dan immediately points out that AI will not control the destiny of man as they aren't human. Once again, taking away her agency, her autonomy, 
demoralizing her importance <laughs> in the process but harry upon hearing day's demand can only close his eyes like oh we've taken over the invictus what's your command well it all depends on what you say tell me what i want to hear that psychohistory's bullshit and he's like i can't give you what you want day like don't you realize this has been 138 years in the making even if i could give you what you want it's already in motion so yeah he brings down the invictus down on uh did i say that redundantly on the planet he orders it he tells Demerzel whatever happens profit that is today this is about survival for all of us the future is invented every second invent a better one some pretty palpable words that day just rolls his eyes at and walks out of the door because <laughs> he still thinks he's the most powerful man in the room so glaywin unfortunately parachuted down on crash landed down on the planet in the middle of the battle which is not great considering what we know is about to happen then he tells polly they always disappoint you and my first thought was that's what demerzel says to each clone <laughs> when they turn into you <laughs> but yeah you're you meet your heroes and they always disappoint you is that part of his uh his psychological whatever the fuck's going on with him that in some part he idolized the man even though he tried to change and adapt to what he wanted maybe he was seeking a father figure and and found it in harry selton's teachings even though he absolutely despised and feared what he was to say come about he wouldn't have made those changes if he didn't believe it and by saying you know oh i figured the math out and then you find out you're wrong i'm an outlier no you're not he's stuck with well they disappointed me versus you are yourself a disappointment hober getting day's attention by calling him yesterday was definitely a comical reprieve i needed because i was like well this this all went to shit he takes him to the bridge to watch everyone that they've ever known die. He looks over at Constantine and I was worried. I was like, oh, he's kind of low on the esteem right now. Um, I don't want him looking at Constant. But he ends up punishing them by wanting them to see their... I, <sighs> Lord. He knows he likes to grand grandize his own um achievements when they're really not his achievements <laughs> you order your general to even push the button you could have pushed the button but he that that would be considered beneath him it's at this moment i think demerzel was surprised what is happening on trantor she tells him this is your moment not ours because he's like what are you doing this is our moment like did you not recall how you just talked to me while selden can certainly take away any illusions that he has about himself dimrazel can hurt you <laughs> where it hurts not just your pride 
I mean, she went for your heart and soul by saying it's his moment at first. And then she goes, I had been called away stitching the empire that's framed. So pointing out that not only am I fully aware that the empire is falling, I'm doing my, I've been so busy doing my best to keep it together that I missed your formative years. And I realize now that's probably going to keep happening the more that the empire decays. So she definitely knows that Selden is right. She's seen it firsthand more so than even empire. And because she was away, he grew up with uncertainty and a lack of morals. She says, I initiated intimacy to correct your shortcomings that failed. Fucking embarrassing. Yes, I'm going to relish every way in which she took apart his anatomy because it was wonderful. He's all bragging. Oh, Cleon the first got to bang her. I get to bang her because clearly something special about me. And then to find out the entire time, she's like, oh, I was just trying to get you going in the right direction because you have none. And you are an absolutely immoralistic person. That's not a right word, but you know what I mean. And yeah, fucking you was nothing. I wasn't every time you told me to look into your eyes and feel something, I didn't. It was just my way of controlling you. Followed up with, I apologize to you for what you have become. It was my oversight. You're someone I have to care for, not someone I care about. Then he replies (laughs) somewhat dumbly. I am a complete man. I am making a new dynasty. No, you're a sperm led by its waving flagellum, mistaking its random motion for complexity. Oh, he needs some milk. Oh, then she finished it with now go do what you're going to do because it's too late to change. <laughs> If he had time to go cry in a corner, he would have. He has to ride the high of victory because he ain't got nothing else. You ain't going back to that woman pretending at all like you're in control. Matter of fact, she already probably got plans to catch you. Whether you die or not, leave his ass out there in the outer reach. Bell Rios, handle the problem. So hurt and even further diminished, he lashes out ordering the general to bring the Evictus down because it's a reply to Hober's actions, who I will say this is the part where I was like, Hober, shut the fuck up. Okay, the yesterday was funny to try to get a rile of him. Even Constance was like, what are you doing? Like, what is the plan here? <laughs> it's okay to, to get someone riled up, but there needs to be a purpose. If it was just to get out of the, the cell, I could see that. But once you're on the bridge and you hear the order about to go down, why the fuck would you think this is a good time to keep pissing him off? Just no. Like, what's going on? You don't deserve a reply. (laughs) Don't you see your ship over there? It looks like it lost. 
despite Glewin being on the planet and that emotional scene that I watched 20 times because it was beautiful with him quoting that book that he'd been reading basically has did a 180 not so much for him but for Bel Rios like you have to do this you have to follow this order this is what you're meant to do this is what you've been telling me all season is the greater good that you were pursuing you have to commit to it and this is you committing to that committing to that and not only that if you don't do it you die and then someone else pushes the button what is what what is gained there don't make this sacrifice be for nothing because another day you can still strike at the empire so he's not completely being like don't have your day with day but it ain't gonna be today so unfortunately he has to bring down the invictus on the love of his life and since everything went into a black hole i the foundation's gone at least no terminus is gone the foundation is not and i think because in the books the foundation is directly associated with terminus this is a great way to basically um surprise book readers because i was definitely surprised i was like oh this is really not going the way i expected it to (laughs) and considering i didn't even read the third book it could happen this way, but I doubt it. Um, actually, I know it doesn't. For a fact, what am I talking about? I know for a fact it doesn't. So what does this mean going forward? Several things. The foundation was never meant to be Trantor. Actually, I think that would have been a mistake. Having a very obvious place in which to destroy everything I've worked for is is no more beneficial than Trantor being the only planet that's around (laughs) you know um like that's the center of government but he's got like most of the planets in the galaxy in like a hundred mile thousand clicks of where Trantor is you you get what I'm saying but the foundation just having terminus while sure it definitely did what it needed to do for those 138 years it's not an end gamer not at all because they have been trading already with other places not only trading but giving away that's even it's even more of a impotence to take in refugees right so you got a general who just lost the love of his life who's probably gonna see day I mean, because like I said, PTSD. He's probably good because that's what Hober, he's going to do to Hober. He's going to try to kill Constant and Hober right in front of him. He's absolutely going to want to do that. And I don't think that Bell Reels is going to let that happen. Like, you know what? I had to do what I need to do to protect the Empire. There's nothing that I have to say I have to protect you. And if the spaceships show up, like I think they're going to show up, you know, because we ain't seen she is center or she bends light ain't seen her once she ain't had a speaking role what's she been doing <laughs> we ain't seen her in every other scene all right they're trying to they're trying to fuck with me those spacers i don't know what the capability of the spacers is fully the capability of the spacers do i think they like transported terminus so no no i think well it was a black fucking hole no but i think the <laughs> Because I know they could travel through 
I think they mentioned that, that like that's what they're doing. They're trying to travel through different spaces and time. I just don't think that they'll be able to save that. I mean, we if they didn't show the surface of the planet clearly killing everyone, I would have been a lot more like, okay, maybe you could play some trickery here. But if they did that, I'd be like side eye in it. So no, I think it's more plausible that they are space bound. Like, cause we saw all the people on the planet. Then we saw the people on the Invictus. That makes sense. But I can't think over how many generations that that's all the people you got. Nah, uh-uh. that's not all the people you got. When I even went in that factory, I was like, is that all you got? Granted, no one's going to hire 80,000 extras, but it felt a little scarce. And it would make more sense to me, like with the expanse, that they would, in fact, start being space bound. Because that gives them the ability to appear and disappear, especially if they can start using the technology the way they do to open a rip in time and space. And there was only maybe a, a dozen of the Whisper ships. You're not going to tell me that in manufacture far more of those. So while I don't think they're going to come out base, uh, you know, come out swinging in the last episode, I don't think that the the beginning of the war had anything to do with physically going against the empire and winning. It was all about the long game. (laughs) It was all about making sure that this crisis doesn't wipe out the foundation. Doesn't mean it's going to not get dented. Probably took a huge dent, but what did they gain on the other side of that? Probably a lot more planets. So what's one compared to the rest of them? And that you couldn't stamp out the idea of the foundation, despite it no longer existing, also as a huge flaw in what Day considers a success. That's why I don't give it to him as a success. I say the foundation took a L, but it took a necessary L, it would feel, in the grand scheme of things. I also think this is the perfect way to shut down the religious aspect because who's left? The scientists. Clerics are gone. Yes, you have Constant, but I think Constant probably has lost her faith in Harry Selden because she thought that her people were going to survive and they didn't. And I think she is now more of... Psychohistory is not about faith. It's about the created opportunities. And I think that that is going to probably be that next stage that Harry was predicting. And for that to happen, of course, there needs to be a dramatic shift in idea. And this is that that lever to be pulled. So I think I was right about Polly being shown as one of the last remnants as well as constant of that particular church of Selden. It served its purpose. It no longer needs to continue its purpose. It might actually harm its purpose going forward because what did that one empress emperor say on that one world we saw Hoberon in the first episode, which they seem like they had enough, like if they got an aura or something, Right. He said something to the effect of, I don't, I'm not into the, the 
the religious. I don't want to take on the religious aspect of it. Well, that's gone now. We lost that round, but it's not over yet. You get ready for the next one. I think I have talked enough. It's been two fucking hours that I've invested in talking about the foundation. <laughs> so that is where I'm going to leave it. If you have any thoughts, definitely send them to blackercouch.gmail.com or leave a comment below. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and black or magic. Hustling, 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 hustling.